Welcome to the church, amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Right on, man. I mean, that's the story, right? The story that has just been going on, man. God's story, his story, has just been continuing through the years, every year, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of years, that has been the story. And here's what I know, man. Everybody got the story to tell, right? I mean, come on, man. You just sat around the table, all right, and I mean, just stuffed yourself till, you know, you felt like you were going to pop, right, and telling stories, all kinds of stories, just flying around the table, flying around the room, stories where, you know, maybe you saw some people that you ain't seen for a while, some family you ain't seen for a while, and you're telling them stories. There's all these stories just happening. My question is, man, what story do you really want to tell? I want you to think about that. What story do you really want to tell? All right, because we all got stories. And here's what I know, man, that the most convincing life story the most convincing life story, story of your life, the most convincing life story is the, is the life that shows the story. Amen? Is the life that shows the story where you can actually see what's coming out of the person's mouth on that person's life. That's the life that shows the story, man. That's the most convincing story. Praise the Lord. So check this out, y'all. <clears throat> we are in the, in the series, right? We've been in the series. If you haven't been with us before, if you haven't been with us for a while, all right, or if you missed a couple weeks, we're still in this series, and we've been going through the book of 1 Peter, all right? We've been calling it Faith for Exiles, and I love going through the book of, uh, 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 you know, verse by verse through a book of the Bible because, you know, well, it has great advantages, but it also has some disadvantages. The great advantages it has that, that you can't really miss it. You can't skip stuff. You got to mention it at least, or at least, you know, send somebody to go and study it more, you know, bring it up a little bit. You got to talk about these things. And I love that, <clears throat> you know, where, where we just don't skip stuff, all right, or not even mention it. But there's a disadvantage as well, man, because if you miss a weekend, then you miss stuff. If you miss a service, then you miss some stuff, all right? And so what I'm going to do real quickly here, because last week, it was a part of this week, as we we're talking about the bigger story, all right? Last week is a part of this week, and so I want us to kind of review some things just to get it rolling. So some stuff that we kind of mentioned last week, Pastor Blake mentioned it in between songs there a little bit. We're going to go a little bit deeper real quick, just to get this thing rolling, all right? So let's just go ahead and pray. So Father, we just give you the praise, Lord God. We give you the honor and we give you the glory, Lord God. And we just thank you, Father. Amen. Ah, just that even in all this chaos, even in all this craziness, we're still, we still worship you. Oh, we can still love on one another. And oh, we can still glorify Jesus Christ together. We just want to give you praise for that. And so we pray, Lord God, in the name of Christ, that you just got to get a bunch of junk out of the way. A lot of us came here with stuff, and we just pray that you just get the stuff out of the way and help us hear your voice in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. And so last week we were talking about some stuff. We, uh, we mentioned this idea of a bigger story, right? And we shared this idea that in our story, all right, there's always a bigger story, even when our suffering seems to be the biggest story on the planet, all right? Well, you know, when you're going through junk, all right, a lot of us, we ascribe to these songs that we're singing, to these prayers that we pray, to the word that we read. But when our suffering starts to hit and when it gets a little crazy, we start to question things, all right? Because for some reason, all 
of a sudden, our big story, all right, is just our suffering and the junk that we're going through. It becomes bigger than the whole planet, right? And, 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 and you know, it's been a crazy year. A lot of us has been going through all kinds of crazy stuff, and our faith has been challenged over and over again, and I think it's about ready to get challenged even more, and we need to be grounded in this story, in this bigger story, because what happens, man, when we're not, we start to question the reality of this bigger story, and when we start suffering, and we start going through stuff, we start tripping, like, you know what, is there anybody even listening? Is this even making a dent in my prayers even leaving the room? Maybe there's just nothing. Maybe all of this came from nothing. And I got to challenge that because if something came from nothing, then nothing really is really the answer. I mean, for, for, for the things that you're going through. All right. Nothing is really the answer for your suffering. If something came from nothing, then nothing is really the answer for your suffering. And here's the thing about that, man. Each of us here know that th that's not a good answer. That's not good enough. I can't hold on to that, man. The fact that, the, you know, that nothing, all right, somehow we know that there is a bigger story. But because suffering is always around, because we're always surrounded by it, either we're, either we're heading into some suffering, we're involved in some suffering, or we're on our way out of some suffering, or we got somebody right close that is going through suffering, it's always around, man. It just doesn't go away. And because of that, we got to understand the bigger story. Because I hear a challenge, man, if Jesus loves me, why am I going through so much craziness right now? Why are these people being so mean to me? Why is there hurt going on right now? And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I believe, especially when we're looking at other people's suffering, I believe we're looking at them and we're, we're hurting for them, right? You ever hurt for somebody else's stuff? Well, that's called love. That's called love, man. And we believe that, you know, love is the supreme ethic on the planet. There's no ethic greater than love. And if love is the supreme ethic, all right, then, then you know what? We have to understand something a little bit more. We have to get a little closer to something a little bit more deeply. All right? If love is the supreme ethic, we have to remember, you know what? In order for love to exist, there has to be freedom to love. There has to be a choice to love. We have to be able to choose to love. That's what makes love so beautiful, right? Because we choose to love. I love listening to when people write their own vows at their wedding and just listening to the stuff that they come up with. I'm just like, I'm blown away, man, because you have chosen to love him. You have chosen to love her in a deep way. And it's so amazing to listen to that choice. Because forced love is not love at all, right? And so if, and here's the thing about this though, if, if, if love, all right, you know, if, 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 you know, for in order for love to exist, there has to be freedom, there has to be a choice. And in order for that choice to exist, there has to be the possibility of hurt and pain. Because sometimes people just choose not to love, right? Sometimes people choose to hurt and they choose to hate and it's just their choice, man. It's a bad choice and we wish they didn't make the choice, all right? But in order for freedom to exist, so will hurt. And where there is hurt, where there is hurt, there is the need for a savior. 
There's a need for a savior. Not band-aids. We got a lot of band-aids for hurt. We got a lot of band-aids for pain. We got a lot of things that get us, that make us kind of numb. We got a lot of things that kind of just say, you know what, just kind of makes it go away for, for a moment, but then it comes back like a flood. All right. We have these things, man, but you know, but, but there's a savior. All right. His name is Jesus Christ. All right. And he has come to give us an eternal and you know, eternal life, life completely free from pain, not here, but with him, he's coming back, man. And this is what I'm talking about, right? <clears throat> where there is a possi- where, where, where there is where there is a savior, there will always be the possibility of redemption. And that, my friends, is the bigger story. I just say my friends. I never say my friends. That was weird. Where did that come from? That, my friends. All right. <laughs> Who do you think you are right now, dude? You never talk like that. That, all right, all my homies. All right. <laughs> that right now, <clears throat> that is the bigger story. All right. Redemption. This isn't it. There's more to it. Jesus Christ came to redeem us from the penalty and the choice and the choices to sin. Here's what we know though, right? Because wait a second, this place is broken. All right, this place is broken. We broke it because we're all broken. All right, but here's the thing, man. When we expect perfection from imperfections, we cause ourselves to be broken even more. Did you hear that? When we look around, not when we look up, but when we look around and we expect perfection from imperfectionists, and we break ourselves a little bit more, and we allow ourselves to break a little bit more, which is why we need a savior, which is why we need redemption. Jesus came, he was the only unbroken one, all right? And he was broken on our behalf. He gave his life because we couldn't. And he got up again. King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God. And, 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 he, and he didn't just leave us as orphans, man. He gave us his Holy Spirit, all right, to do the things actually we're gonna talk about today, which is kind of crazy, all right? His story for our story is the greater story, Amen. His story for our story is the greater story. Right now, y'all could pray for my back. I jacked up my back. I'm afraid to put my water down because I might not be able to pick it up. All right? So I'm going to keep it over here. You should see me trying to put my boot on this morning. I was like, ah, Debbie. She's like, yeah, right. Anyways, <clears throat> praise the Lord. His story for our story is the greater story. But you know what? We still have a part in the story, right? We still have a part in this story. Okay, so check it out. And we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're in verse 1 through 6. So you want to open your app, find it. Open your Bible, <clears throat> find it. If you're relying on this, praise the Lord, it'll be there, God willing. The stuff doesn't fall apart, but we'll have it. All right, so Father, this is your word, and we just give you the praise, and we just give you thanks, Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah. First Peter, I mean, words are going to fly over, all over the place in these next few verses. All right, it's going to go crazy. You're going to like, wait, wait, you're going to try to catch some stuff. All right, and so I just want you to make, remind yourself, we're, 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 we're going in this idea and this theme that God has given us um, of, of, of our story being involved in the bigger story. 
right? That's, 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 our, that's, our, that's, our, that's where we're rolling. And, and, and the most convincing story, the question was, what story do you want to tell? Remember? What story is it you want to tell? We're all going to tell stories. But what story do you want to tell? Ultimately. And the most convincing life story is, is the life that shows the story. Amen? So, so if we can ground ourselves in, 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 in that most convincing life story is the life that shows the story with a question, what story you want to tell, it might help us as these words start flying everywhere. Chapter four, verse one and two, I'm going to read them together and then we're going to kind of take a look at one and then take a look at two and then kind of move on. All right. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, like we just got through talking about, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. All right, Every, like I said, everything is kind of flying over the place. I just kind of want to kind of remind us right here that we need our commitment in God, all right, to be so strong that no matter what's going on in our life, we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be shaken. What, what, what people cause... What a broken world that has nature going crazy sometimes causes, all right, what, what different, different things are not going to shake us from our foundation, our firm, our firm foundation in, 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 in the life of Christ, right? And we need to ground ourselves there because stuff gets crazy. Pa- um, Pastor David, King David, <laughs> maybe we can call him Pastor. King David, okay, a real, real historical figure. He was the second king of the nation of Israel, right? It's history. It's not a made-up guy, all right? Real, real historic events took place. And as he was beginning to become king, he was, he was fighting uh, different kingdoms around him. And he got in a fight with this country called the Amalekites, right? And they were pretty tough and pretty crazy people. And they came in one day while him and his boys were out, right, doing some stuff, man, you know. I don't know if they were, you know, Christmas shopping or whatever the case may be. But they were out doing some things, all right, and their wife and their kids were at home. Meanwhile, the Amalekites came and they just, they just ransacked the place, took their wives, took their kids. These guys come home, all right, and find that their kids and their wives are, are gone. And every place is just sacked. All right? And they started wailing, and they started going crazy. Everybody just started losing it. Even David for a minute started to lose it. What would you do? All right, men, let me just ask you, what would you do if your family was just all of a sudden just taken? All right, and then these guys, when these guys took people, <clears throat> it was horrible. Just so you know. There was no Geneva code or whatever that is. You know what I mean? I don't even know. Is that a thing? It probably is. Or maybe I don't even have the thing anymore. Anyways, pretend it was really, really important, something, all right? And, and you know, but they're, they're freaking out. I don't know, what would you do? What would you do? The scriptures say that David himself, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He kind of gathered his, his senses, he got himself together and encouraged himself in the Lord. And he started praying and literally asked God, what should I do? His first response, yes, go crazy. It was a little bit crazy. We are what I like to call instinctified to make the wrong first choice. We're kind of instinctified to make the wrong first choice. Instinctified is not a word, but it's just basically we run on instinct very, very, a lot. I have an Airbnb across the street from my house, 
all right? And I thought it was kind of cool, and it still is sometimes cool, but it's like you have new neighbors every weekend, all right? And it's kind of a trip, because you're like, you, have, you know, you have to get used to neighbors. Hi, how are you? You know, and this, this, this doesn't happen. People are in, they're gone, they're in, they're gone, they're in, they're gone. And so, you know, and every once in a while, and so not every once in a while, all the time, I'm trying to see who's there. And you know, I can't see across the street very well. And so I'm like, like looking to see who's over there. I'm just trying to see. I'm not mad. My wife says, stop looking like that. I'm trying to see who's over there. Now I'm yelling, looking like crazy. All right. And one night, the other night, just not the screen, last weekend, as a matter of fact, all right, they're out there with a flashlight, a real powerful flashlight going all over the place. So I go outside, man. I'm looking out there. And uh, the flashlight boom, flashes across my house. All right. That's a problem, isn't it? Is that not a problem? Instinctified. Okay, sorry. Anyways, it flashes across my house, and I'm like, hey, wait. So I kind of walk to the, to, out of my grass, and I'm looking, waiting for it to flash again, and my mind starts creating stories. You ever have that happen? Here's the story. They flash the light, goosh, on me. And I stand there. <laughs> Go ahead. I got a guy in the tower over here, and he's got you in his sights. I'm thinking this, not even kidding, all right? I don't got a tower, and if I did, I probably wouldn't have a guy up there, all right, just because the dude has a flashlight across the street. But I'm looking at the light, instinctified, all right? Not always the right answer. Immediately, I try to catch myself. Dude, what are you thinking about? Ninjas, I need ninjas, all right? No, 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 stop, 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 stop. And so I'm thinking, okay, what the heck, dude? And I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, remember, dude, you're a Jesus person. <laughs> Smile. Hi. I looked on the reviews for that Airbnb, and it said, great place. One review was like, great place, wonderful location. I felt like the neighbors were always watching me. <laughs> Not even kidding. It's a real thing. <laughs> We're instinctified, man. You know, that's right. Jesus, he knows this. He says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. What same way of thinking? Jesus Christ earlier you know, in his ministry uh, had told his, the boys, right? Even Peter, one of the guys, he says, here's what I want you to do. If, you know, if any of you would come after me, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is going to get rugged, he said. And ain't gonna, you know, this is, we're not, I'm not cruising in a limo. He says, we're walking and it's going to get crazy. Arm yourself with this way of thinking. Look at verse two. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. I love what he gives us. He gives us a couple of time references that actually help us with this attitude. He says, you know, the rest of the time and no longer. I, I, I try to remind myself a lot of times that no longer does this describe my life. The life of my past no longer describes my life today. No longer. And a lot of times when temptation comes knocking at the door, I have two words that I internally say. Every once in a while, it'll happen. I'll get tempted over here, tempted over here, and I'll just say, you know what? No thanks. No thanks, man. No longer is this my life. That ain't me no more. Sometimes it's a way to think. Sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to do something. Sometimes it's a, it's a challenge to, to react in a certain way. And I have to say, no thanks. Because it's no longer am I living for human passions, but the will of God. And, and I challenge guys, man, 
I challenge guys, uh, when I go and speak uh, to uh, certain uh, groups of people, a lot of times when I, if I go and speak to like uh, uh, addicts or, or recovery houses and stuff like that, I ask them one question. Are you finished or are you done? Are you finished or are you done? Because no longer, all right? Are you finished or are you done, man? Because I'll be talking to people in recovery houses and I'll say, look, man, you could get out of here and be finished with the program. You can get a certificate. You can get a coin. You can get all kinds of different things, all right? Hey, you know, but, but my question is, if you're just merely gonna finish this program, you know I mean? This could be a problem for you. You have to decide whether or not you are done. Are you done? All right, and a lot of us say, well, I'm not an addict. Yeah, but we've had a life before Christ, all right? And my question is, are you done with that life? He says, no longer are we to live for human passions, all right? But we should, he says, he said before that, he says, so as to live for the rest of the time. Look at this reference right here, the rest of the time. We really should consider how we're gonna live the rest of our life. If God blesses us with another day, with another year, with, you know, another five years, how how are we considering this? You know, how are we going to live this? Moses, when he wrote, Moses wrote one of the, a couple of the Psalms, I think. But in one of the Psalms he wrote, he says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. I believe that when you live like this, when you live this bigger story, that yes, you're going to be affected by the smaller stories around you compared to the, the pieces of the stories, not smaller, but the pieces of the stories to the bigger stories around you. And sometimes your story is going to seem louder than the planet. But my question is, have you armed yourself with this way of thinking and you're unshakable, unmovable? Yeah, you might be crying, you might be distraught, but you know what? My faith is just not gone. It's not shaking because God's not gone. This is the bigger story. And he says, when you, he says, instead of living this way, you're living for the will of God. And I want to challenge you to think about this. When you believe like this, when you live like this, uh, and you live the bigger story, your life becomes the will of God for your life. How many times do we ask the question, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will? You are God's will for his life for your life, that you receive the son, that you live this way and you arm yourself this way. The most convincing life story is the life that shows the story. Amen. And he tells us, look at in verse three. All right. He's going to describe, you know, Peter has a premonition of spring break right here. For the time is past. The, the time, the, for, for, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Those who don't know, they can know God. All right. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. He wrote this thing 2,000 years ago, and it's still a problem, right? It's like he could have wrote this today. And he's writing this to the church. And so many Christians, I think, they still feel, maybe, maybe you know, I, I don't know where you're at on this, but I think many of us sometimes feel like they haven't spent enough time doing the stuff that they used to do before they knew Jesus. I'm going to meddle in, your, in, 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 in some of y'all's life right now. Some of you can probably have a drink, right? Some of you can probably have a drink because you have a drink. 
some of you just cannot drink and you know you can't drink, right? You know you just can't drink. But there are some that think they can drink when they know they should not drink. I just felt we needed to say that. We have to be careful of even the subtleties of this. Let me just tell you this, man. A taste will lead to a meal, right? A taste will soon lead, I'll put this up. A taste will soon lead to a meal, which then develops an appetite, which in turn creates an unquenchable, continual hunger. Are you hearing me? I mean, for just taking a taste of these things, man, sometimes will lead to a meal which develops an appetite, which turns, which, which in turn creates an unquenchable, continual hunger. And ain't nothing changed, man, and you know this. He's talking to the church. This is so crazy. And here's the problem, man. This is a huge problem. All right, the, 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 the church... <laughs> is often guilty for pushing these convictions right here on a world that did not sign up for them. You understand? All right? The world, we're like, you all are drinking too much. You all have you all having too much sex. You all, and we're, and we're out there with our signs and this and that and stuff like that. And he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. And I got to tell you something right now, man. Check this out. The church needs to stop expecting the outsiders to act like insiders, all right, when the insiders are acting like the outsiders. Amen. You got that? Did we put it up there? There it is. Take a picture. All right. The church needs to stop expecting outsiders to act like the insiders when the insiders are acting just like the outsiders. And you can't tell the difference. He is talking to the church. He's talking to us. Let me just check this out, man. Somebody told me this a while back, but I think it's so true. If <clears throat> Allergies, okay? All right. <laughs> but we should be careful because it's getting crazy, amen? Let's be smart. Praise the Lord. If all the Christians were for just one year would quit for one year, if all the Christians for one year would quit looking at porn, would quit illegal drugs, alcohol abuse, and legal drug abuse. If all the Christians in, for, for just one year would quit porn, uh, illegal drug use, uh, alcohol abuse, and legal drug abuse, would quit premarital sex, would quit adultery, maybe foster a kid at least, or at least support foster care and worship God, use it and use money rather than worship money and use God, I think the whole world would know. I think it would make a dent I think in one year, we turn this nation around and they would see and feel the change. If we would just for one year, all right, if Christians, all the Christians in the United States would, would just quit porn, 
And I'm not saying all Christians look at porn, all right? It was never a thing for me, but I know some people struggle with it, all right? Check this out. I know, you know what? If, if Christians would quit porn, if they would quit illegal drugs, if they would quit alcohol abuse, if they would quit abusing legal drugs, all right? If they would quit premarital sex, if they would quit adultery, if they would just maybe even foster a kid or support foster care, all right? If they would start to worship God more than they worship money, worship God, use money instead of use God and worship money, in one year, our nation would see and feel the change. This tattoo artist, Billy Joe White, he said something really, really cool. He said, socially speaking, when you're not helping society move forward, you're bound and determined to see it crumble in front of you. If we're not helping, could it be possible that we're hurting? There's enough of us right here this right here, the change things right here in this community. We're just choosing. Because the most convincing story, right, is the life story. Is the life that shows the story. And my question is, what story do you want to tell? And here's what's going to happen. People around you are going to trip out. When you start living your convictions out, People around you are going to trip out, man. They're going to like wonder, what the heck are you doing? Look at verse four. He, he, Peter even knew this. He says, respect to this, the people, they're going to be surprised when, they, when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. They, they come after you. They, they insult you for it. I've told some of you this story before, but you know, I had just been walking. In 1995, I gave my life to Christ. I walked with Christ for eight months, all right? And then right at the end of the year, the beginning of 1996, I ran into some people I just didn't want to see. People I used to do some really, really crazy stuff with. And when they saw me immediately, they came looking for me because they heard where I was and they gave me, they gave me these guns. And they gave me this gun. They're like, dude, we're going to go and do this business because these guys were shooting at the, one of the homeboys. And, and you like, I don't know. For me, that wasn't a big deal back in the day. Okay, let's go. And by a, a kind of automatic pilot, I started just loading it up. And, and, and I had to stop because wait a second, man, I had, I'm telling a different story now. This is not my story anymore. And I handed him back the gun, which was a crazy thing to do because these were the kind of friends that wanted to take the gun you just loaded and say, you're not with us. Boom. You're against us. I had him back this gun and I said, I can't do this, man. I'm not living this life anymore. It's not my story. I'm a Christian. I actually told him. One of the guys told me two words. And it was crazy. These two words, man, they just kind of just, they, were, they, 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 they sounded like they should have been really loud, but they just actually didn't have any power. He said, that's weak. One way looked at me, he said, that's weak. The thing is, I didn't feel weak saying that. As a matter of fact, I felt stronger than I've ever felt in my life just saying that and handing that gun back. And I didn't feel weak, man. And I was like, dude, this is actually the, the hardest thing I've ever did in my life. If I'm going to look at this list, man, I can say, you know what? You want to know what's easy? First of all, it's real easy to go with you and pull that trigger. Done it before? No problem. Didn't, have any, didn't think about it all right before. But now, you know what? That's not easy anymore. All right? Well, I mean, that, that's too, it's not easy to, to stop. I'm, you know, the, easy, the easy thing is to go. The hard thing is to say no. All right? And if you look at this list, you say, you know what? Well, you know, if you look at this list, what's easy is to drink myself to death. What's easy is to drug myself to death. What's easy is to destroy my, my family, my marriage with, with adults 
adultery. What's easy is to click on a screen, all right, and support the degrading of women and children by supporting pornography. What's easy is to ignore the word of God, all right, that is in me. What's easy is to, is to, is to, is to keep this Savior in my pockets while I'm looking at a world that is dying for, for Christ. What's easy is to hide my light under a basket and every once in a while peek out and see the crumbling world around me. That's easy. What's hard is to take that basket off and let my light shine before men so that they may see my good works and glorify my God who is in heaven, our great God and King, and recognize that Jesus Christ, and only by Jesus Christ, by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection, by his ascending into heaven, sending us the Holy Spirit, and coming back for his church, by that power, by that glory, do I got any power and any, any, any power to do any of this. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you want to know what's crazy? Right? Not too long after that, they all went to prison. One's doing multiple life sentences, probably never going to get out. A couple of them had two other life sentences, 25 to life. One of them just got out. 25 years later, he got out. Last year, and he got a hold of me. And he said, dude, Ben, I want to talk to you. I'm thinking, here it comes. You still got that gun that I loaded? Is that what's up? <laughs> he said, I've been thinking about what you said. Dude, I haven't talked to you for 25 years. For 25 years, he's been thinking about God. He's been thinking about Christ. And he wanted to talk to me about it. I said, I'm kind of busy right now. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you ever find yourself tempted to believe the lies that are being told about you? And somehow you end up becoming the person that everyone expects you to be because they're telling your story for you. When you know deep down inside, that's not who you are. And it's never who you really intended to be because there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story, man. And, and your life is a part of that bigger story. You were created to be a piece in that huge story. You were created to not only change your story, have your story changed, but just you know, be involved in the change of stories around you. Peter gets a little crazy, man. He goes, you know, they're going to have to give account for him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. And so the people around us, all right, people we love, people we care about, they're dying because they can't see what this looks like. And we have to show them this is so important. This is not just about you and your part of the story. This is about your part of the story making a huge impact on the world around you. How many people do you love that can give a rip about God? They don't know how loved they are by Jesus. They don't know that they can know Jesus. They don't know that Jesus isn't there up there going, you suck, you suck, you suck. They don't, they don't know that Jesus said, like, I love you and I died for you. And I got so much more for you than this life. And I want to walk with you in the suffering. I want to walk with you in the craziness. And I got people. Jesus says, I got people. It's called my church. There's a real one. It's called my church. And they want to love you too. And they want to walk with you. A lot of us just don't know how yet. The closer we get, the more we'll know. Amen. 
This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though the that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Okay, why you got to throw that in there? Because that's just crazy. And what's he talking about? Last week, we talked about how the spirits are in prison, all right? And Jesus went and talked to them, all right? He didn't preach the gospel to them, all right? Again, let me just kind of remind you something. I think it was G.K. Chesterton. How would you like a name like that, right? <laughs> he said this. He says, the sun is the one created thing that we cannot look, look at, but by the means, it is by the means by which we look at all of creation. The sun is the one created thing of God that we can't really stare right into, but it is the one thing that helps us see everything else. So it is of the Spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. It's, everything is, this life is all spiritual. <clears throat> and it is the spiritual that gives life and explains everything else or at least helps us understand the bigger story. So, so, so Jesus went, or last, last week we talked how Jesus went and talked to the spirits of prison. Basically, he's talking about the story that's been going on before time. At the time of Noah, all right, these evil spirits are just kind of, you know, anyways, he condemned them, all right, and to this, it, it, we'll talk about this probably at large another time, all right, but he went and just basically said the final, psh, done, and these spirits right here, can remember there was, there was life before the cross, there was, there was a, a world that, that existed before the cross of Christ, before the redemption of every human being, past, present, and future, all right, and there are these that lived faithfully, there were faithful men and women of God, you read about a lot of them in the Old Testament, all right, and so I believe that this actually is alluding to the part where Jesus actually went and preached, all right, the, 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 the finality of the gospel so that, you know, as they were judged in the flesh like everyone else is, that they may be able to receive the spirit of God and move forward into, into heaven. You read this about, there's a story in Luke, I can't remember, I shouldn't even mentioned it, I can't remember, um, where there's a guy, never mind, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I, I always, you know, you want to keep going with this stuff, but we're, we're, we're like totally out of time right here. So, um, I'm, you know, again, there's just a bigger story, basically, is what I'm trying to tell you. you study this out, man. Verse 6 and um, last week's stuff is huge. And then Peter goes really nuts with it in the book of Second Peter. You want to really freak yourself out? Read that one. All right? All right. And so, um, but I just want to kind of just bring us back to our story and the stories that are going on around us. And people are dying without Christ. They don't have the hope beyond this life that we have. Hope and even hope in, in their suffering. But I will tell you right now that this life lived out, this life preaches, this life preaches. A gospel-centered life is an attractive life it is, if it is true. Now, there's a lot of fakers out there, and they're doing a lot of harm, and I can't stand it. And I don't like being painted with a brush. When, when somebody who is a Christian does something that is horrible, I don't, I don't want to be painted with that brush. All right? That's not for all of us. All right? But we, we are men and women of God trying to follow God. All right? And I want to be that church that people look to and see, wow, okay, all right, maybe, okay, maybe there is something. Because it's an attractive life. A gospel-centered life is a real attractive life. It really, really is uh, when it's actually lived out, when the story is recognized. And the most convincing story, right, is the life, <laughs> is the life that shows the story. And last week, I told you, man, to remember that there's a bigger story, to own the fact that there's a bigger story, and to tell 
the bigger story. But my question this week is, what story do you want to tell? And so I want to challenge you with three, with three questions that might help you in forming your story. All right? And the first question is, what about your life makes your story believable? What about your life makes your story believable? Right? Because the most convincing life story is the life that actually shows the story. Number two, what inconsistencies do you need help with? Because you weren't sent here to do this by yourself. You're surrounded by people, men and women. We want to be a part of the story. They're already part of the story, but they want to be part of your story to help you develop yours. And that's why we have the church that's helping us with one another. This one another in each people, each other man, just kind of helping each other in the story. So number one, what, what, what about your life makes your story believable? What inconsistencies, number two, do you need help with? And number three, how will your story challenge the stories around you? How will your stories, will your story challenge the stories around you? Somebody's watching. Somebody's always watching. You know this, right? You're telling stories even when nobody's, when you think nobody's listening to your story. People are looking at your life and they're checking your story. Shouldn't you tell it on purpose? Amen. Praise the Lord.